uh, last week we, uh, we began a study of the teachings of Jesus uh, on the kingdom, uh, kingdom of heaven. And uh, we saw that in an uh, early part of Matthew's gospel that right after his temptation in the wilderness that Jesus gave his inaugural address. That is, he cast his vision uh, for what his ministry would be about. And it was about proclaiming uh, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God or simply the kingdom. And we saw last week all those are the same things. They're, they're synonymous. Now, uh, today we're going to look at Matthew 13, moving into uh, those seven parables that we talked about last week that would be in uh, Matthew's gospel in chapter uh, 13. They're unique to him as he talks about uh, the kingdom of heaven. And we go hear Jesus talk about parables, in, in parables. And I love, I love the study of parables because the word itself, parables, means cast alongside. And that is that as Jesus would be walking along with his disciples he would see something there from everyday life in ancient Palestine uh, that he could bring into a discussion, tell a parable around it, a spiritual truth around it, uh, that they would understand as he would talk. Uh, It literally means, uh, you know, cast alongside whatever was going on in their day, they could identify with it. Just like today we're going to hear him talk about a a farmer went out to sow his seed. And that that would have been something that they would have seen on a regular basis. They would have known what it was about. And about seed falling in different kinds of soil. And and the whole implication about this message, uh, series of messages about the kingdom is that there are implications for us. Not just to hear about the kingdom of heaven and not just to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, but there are implications that go along with that. Today we're talking about, when we look at this parable today, and we look at these parables in coming weeks, that there are some implications for us. The one today is that it's about kingdom influence. When you hear Jesus talk about the seed came to maturity and it produced a crop, some 100, some 60, some 30 fold, that's talking about bearing fruit. And so let's hear what Jesus has to say when we look in Matthew 13, verse 1 through 9 is the telling of the parable. And then we go to verse 18 through 23 is where he gives a better explanation of this parable. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And Jesus concludes that by saying, He who has ears, let him hear. And then we go over to verse 18. And we hear Jesus giving an explanation. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown along, this is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life 
And the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now, I just love these parables. I love the teaching that Jesus gives in parables. You need to understand something about parables. We already said that they're like cast alongside. They come from events in everyday life. The other thing is that they have one meaning in a parable. A parable always has one spiritual meaning. A lot of times people try to read all kinds of things into a parable and analyze every aspect or every part uh, of that parable, of, you know, as he told that. But it really boils down to it has one major teaching. Today, what Jesus is saying is, when you're part of the kingdom, then you have the responsibility to have influence on your culture by bearing fruit. And we'll talk about that whole process. Now, while I love the study of the parables, it was intriguing to the disciples because when Jesus concluded that by saying, he who has ears let him hear, they began to ask him, why are you teaching in parables? Why, why are you doing this? And Jesus in essence is saying, well, I'm teaching it for those who can really get it. I want you to understand that. It's because of the unbelief of the others or those who do not understand it. That, uh, that they can't grasp spiritual things. I want you to understand that these things are coming to you. These truths are coming to you in spiritual manners. Now, here's the other thing I thought about. It's about uh, close to 70 degrees. So it's about 50 outside today. So already it's about 50 degrees warmer than it was last Sunday, right? And we had snow and ice. And so here we are in January and we're talking about planting seed, sowing seed. And first I thought, that's kind of ironic, isn't it, that we're thinking about that? We're planting seeds in this in such cold weather in January. But then I realized, you know, this is the time of the year, and maybe some of you all are already doing this, that um, big-time gardeners, uh, whether you're amateur or not, you know, this is the time you're starting to plant your seed, whether you're putting it in your little cups uh, in, uh, in a greenhouse or in some other warm place in your house or in your workshop or whatever, so that those seeds will germinate and they will grow into the seedlings that uh, later on in early spring you're going to plant into your garden with the hope that uh, they're going to bring about and produce about some fruit, some wonderful, wonderful vegetables and fruits and those kinds of things. So that got me thinking about ordering and purchasing seed. How many of you have heard of purchasing anything from the Burpee Seed Company? You heard of Burpee Seed Company? I've probably been, one of the long, been around longer than, than any any other seed company. We got some pictures of some catalogs. Some of them go, let's see, that one's back in 1918, I believe, a couple of other ones. You can roll those up there. We did a little research on that this week, and uh, we found that it was Burpee Seed Company was started in 1876 by Washington Atlee Burpee. Uh, he died in 1915. His son David took it over. In 1980, he died, and the company was sold to George Ball Incorporated, who still owns Burpee Seed Company. Uh, when it started, what they focused on uh, was garden seeds, farm supplies, tools, poultry, and hogs. I didn't know animals were part of that, chicken and, and hogs, but evidently it was. Today, Burpee Seed Company is still in operation, uh, and the focus is on seeds and garden accessories for home gardens, not commercial. Two of the biggest sellers are, and always have been, iceberg lettuce and big boy tomatoes. Both are best sellers, always have been, and still are today. Just a little thought about seeds. Now, here's some other stuff. They'll throw this in for free. 
Um, the largest seed that I found that, that was talked about, discovered, talked about, whatever in that seed categorization is, is the seed of the Coco de Mer tree. That seed weighs 60 pounds. Can you imagine that? One seed weighing 60 pounds. Now, as you would probably imagine, a seed like that, it's a palm tree, kind of ornamental fruit that it bears, it's going to produce a big tree, 80 to 100 feet normally. And the fruit produced by that tree is normally 30 to 60 pounds. That's something in it. Big, big, big seed, big fruit. The smallest seed, this at least is the research that I found said, is that of an orchid. And the several orchid seeds can rest on a speck of dust. That's how small they are. Now think about buying seeds. When you buy a package of seed, whether it's for vegetable gardens, whether it's for, uh, whether it's for flowers or whatever, you know, while you're buying seed, you're also buying potential. Because that package of seed is a package of potential. You're not sure what it's going to do. You're not sure what it's going to produce. If you, if you plant it right, you are hoping that it's going to produce either a beautiful bunch of flowers or it's going to produce some nice fruit or vegetables for you later on for your table. But reality is we don't know until we plant it that it's a package of influence, possibility, potential. And that's what Jesus talks to us about in this parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. The image Jesus gave about a farmer sowing seed was a common sight in Palestine. But the major implication for us, the way it boils down to that spiritual truth is this. When we hear the Word of God preached or taught, the condition of our heart determines whether or not we accept the Word. And only when we truly receive the Word of God can we have influence in our community and bear fruit. For the kingdom of heaven. So let's look at what Jesus has to say to us in this parable. It, it's a familiar one. Four different types of soil that the seed falls upon. What does all that mean? All right, let's first of all look at the four soils then that they symbolize how the word of God is received. First of all, stubborn hearts refuse the word. Look at verse 4. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. In ancient Palestine, there weren't any fences around gardens, weren't any fences around property like we know fences are today. And people basically walked the same path everywhere they would go. And you know what a result of that was then. They had a surface that was packed down hard, and you could tell where people worked. That was a path. We have paths all the time around places, don't we? We have two dogs at our house. They go around our house in the same path all the time, from the backyard to the side yard to the front yard. And there is a path that they travel all the time. They never get off of that path when they go around the house. And there's just that bare spot of that path packed down hard where the grass is not growing. Now, would I rather have grass there or have my dogs? I'd rather have my dogs. But we, we should be familiar with paths. So that is a description about uh, why some of the seed that the farmer sowed fell upon ground that was so hard that it couldn't penetrate it. That's what Jesus says in verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. That just simply tells us that there are some people who just do not hear 
and retain the Word of God. Now, in the 41 years that I've been preaching and been a pastor, uh, more than ever today, people say to me oftentimes, you know, I just don't think preachers preach like they used to. And in some ways, that's true. It used to just be that preaching was just fire and brimstone and no, uh, no application of the message to your life. It would just get saved or, or go to hell. Basically, it was, was all that it was. But at the same time, I would venture to say today, after standing in a pulpit and looking out over congregations for 41 years, that people don't listen the same way they used to listen. I can look out there and tell you every week right now who's engaged and who's not engaged. Some of you know you're sitting there and it's just, it's just right over. You're not paying a bit of attention. And if I turn real quick, like sometimes I catch somebody in the choir doing something, like taking a nap or something, right? That's why I always am careful normally when I turn to look at the choir. I look at some of you out there and it's like, you know, why am I here? And it's just like it's going in one ear and out the other. You're not retaining anything. You're not listening like you should. What possible chance is it for the Word of God to take root in your life? You're here. You need to be open to what the Word of God is saying to you. See, I believe hearts of people are harder today than ever before. And the Bible warns us about that in Hebrews 4, 7. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. I don't know whether it's the number one killer today, whether it's cancer or a heart problem, but hardening of the arteries leads to heart problems. And it is a major killer of people today. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. Hardening your heart leads to spiritual death. It's the number one spiritual killer. So that's it. Well, that's on one of, one, the first soil. Second one is this. Shallow hearts reject the word. Verse 5 and 6, Jesus said, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. Because the soil was shallow. Now, in ancient Palestine, just as it is today, there's limestone, hard rock, underneath a thin layer of soil. And you plant in a thin layer of soil, and you've got a hard layer of rock underneath it. What's going to happen to the seed? Well, it can't go very far. And it's going to spring up pretty quickly, because the root's not going to go down very far. It's going to spring up quickly. And, but because it doesn't have any root then it's going to die quickly. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. See, in the first soil we talked about, the seed could not get in too hard. In this place, there's, no, there's not enough soil, so it cannot get down to form a root. Jesus described that in verses 20 through 21. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who receives the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. Isn't that an interesting phrase that Jesus said? He lasts only a short time. And he goes on to clarify that. He says, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. You know what Jesus is describing? He's just simply describing a superficial or shallow faith. And a lot of what I have discovered to be superficial faith is just a, a, a superficial emotionalism. And sometimes people just get off on, on emotion. And then when I kind of criticize that, I guess I am now, 
People say, well, what's wrong with emotion in religion? Well, nothing at all if it's genuine. But what I discovered most of the time is that if it's based on emotionalism, that's all it's based upon. It doesn't have any roots. It doesn't have any depth to it. And as Jesus himself said, when the trials and troubles or tribulations come, he said trouble or persecution come, it reveals the character of people. And, and typically, they fall away. See, tough times come for times of testing. If you're reading through the Bible starting in Genesis, uh, if you're where I am, you're at the point where Joseph has been in jail. And now he's finally getting to go before uh, Pharaoh and come out and interpret the dream for him. You think about poor old Joseph. He had a faith that had to be put to the test in it. A lot was testing was done with his faith. That's what happens with our faith. And if you don't have a deep spiritual root, you're not going to survive. Then the third soil we look at represents strangle hearts, and strangle hearts restrict the word. Verse 7, Jesus said, Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? Well, verse 22, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Jesus talks about a couple of things. He talks about worry and he talks about wealth. I think what he's really talking about is too many people are worried about wealth. And what happens is that seed of faith gets choked out. Worry and wealth keep many people from being fruitful or influential for the kingdom of heaven. And there are more things today that can consume your time and choke out the Word of God than ever before. There are more activities. There are more electronic devices. There are more places you can go on social media. There are more places you can go on Sundays. There are more things you can do on Sundays besides being in the house of God. There are more things that can come into your life that can choke out the Word of God. And some of those things aren't necessarily bad. You just don't have them in the right priority. But here's the fourth soil that Jesus talks about. And he says the surrendered heart reproduces the word. Verse 8 says, Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. That seed fell in soil that was fertile and fruitful. Verse 23, Jesus says, But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. You see, Jesus knew the reality of the fact that when farmers plant their seed, they plant their garden, they plant their crops, they don't know what kind of return they're going to get. You see, that's, that's potential when they plant their seeds. They don't know how much they're going to get. Sometimes you get a hundredfold. Sometimes you only get 60%. Sometimes you only get 30%. But that's better than nothing. And so that's what he's talking about about our life. So look at the life, the heart of the one who has a surrendered heart. Jesus says they are receptive to the word of God. That is they hear it, they receive it. They are responsive to the word of God. They not only hear it, they understand it. And they are reproductive of the word of God or with the word of God. That is they produce a crop. And so we come right back to the whole implication of this parable 
and of the whole concept about what Jesus is teaching about the kingdom is that there are implications of the fact that we're to be fruitful followers of Jesus. We're to produce fruit. That's our influence that we're producing. Well, what kind of fruit? Well, let me first of all tell you how you produce fruit. John 15. You need to go back and read that, one of my favorite chapters. Jesus tells us how we produce fruit for the kingdom. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You've got to be in Jesus Christ, abiding in him, constantly in that relationship with him if you're going to be bearing any kind of fruit. Now, this has always been argued about. What is the fruit that, that Jesus is talking about there? What kind of fruit are we supposed to bear? Well, I think it's three types. Number one, there ought to be genuine worship. If you are indeed a follower of Jesus Christ, the normal fruit that should be produced in your life should be that of worship. I mean, corporate worship and private worship ought to be a part of your life. You need to have a plan for your Bible study, for your worship time, your quiet time with God. Sometimes during the day you need to catch yourself just absolutely singing songs of praise or hymns or quoting scripture or referring back to the scripture you read that morning. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, uh, let, Therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. See the word fruit that's right there? The fruit of lips that confess His name. That's worship. Then the second fruit that ought to be produced is what Paul describes in Galatians 5, and that is the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that works in our life, that is produced in our life. You say, well, if it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit produces it. You're absolutely right, but you've got to have the right kind of soil. You've got to be ready and, and uh, just right for that, for that fruit to be produced in your life. And then the third type of fruit that needs to be produced is we need to produce more believers. That's that crop that Jesus talks about. The kingdom implication is then, exactly from what Jesus tells us here, is that we need to produce a crop of either 100 or 60 or 30 fold, somewhere in there. Now I know that we can't save people. You, you and I aren't in the saving business. We're in the proclaiming business. God is in the saving business. But we're to be about casting seed. We're to be about planting seeds. We don't save anybody. God does. You got to go back and remember what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made the seed grow. He says, the man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. So we're to be about producing fruit. Worship out of your life. Fruit of the Spirit in your life. And then producing fruit by multiplying believers. So how do we go about doing that? Well, here's why I want to give you three action steps as you make application of this long time parable into your life, okay? Number one, step to being a, fake, a fruitful follower of Jesus. You got to have a hunger for the Word of God. Psalm 119 is a great psalm. So many things in there. I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your Word is a lamp and a light for my salvation. How can a young man keep his life pure? By abiding in His Word. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How hungry are you for the Word of God? I find that, that the French have an interesting phrase when you sit down to eat a meal. They say, bon appetit. 
What does that mean? Good appetite, right? They don't say good food. It's because not necessarily good food will we eat. Why? It depends upon our appetite. Now, if you come in there at a normal time in a restaurant, say, a French restaurant, and they say bon appetit, and it's a normal time to eat, and you haven't eaten anything else, no snacks or any of that kind of stuff, you got a pretty good appetite, and the food's going to be good. You know, but if you had a couple of Big Macs on the way there, you know, how hungry are you going to be? You're not going to have a good appetite. You're not going to be ready for it. So what I'm saying is then all of that is you've got to have an appetite. You've got to be hungry for the Word of God. And, and there are some, there's some unspiritual Big Macs out there that just take away your hunger. You just fill yourself with other stuff to the point that you just don't have an appetite for the Word of God. And that can be a variety of things. You know what it might be for your life. I don't need to point it out. Second step, listen for God's voice above all distractions. You see, just like there were so many distractions that choked out the seed and some of that soil, you know that there's all kinds of distractions today. You're sitting here today with a lot of distractions. You say, what time does the NFL playoff game start today? Yeah, see, there you are. Yeah, I got an answer down there. Somebody was paying attention to that. So I wonder what time we're going to get out of here. I wonder, I wonder if we're going to be through with, is this all we're going to have of winter? <laughs> we have one little snap. Is it over with now? Put away all the sweaters and get ready for spring? There's all kinds of things going on. We will hear what we are accustomed to hearing and what we're looking forward to hearing. I read this story years ago, and I happened to find it again. Had it filed away. I happened to find it again this week. I love the story. A guy from the, from the country whether it was a farmer or not, goes to New York City to visit a, a cousin. And they're walking down a street in, in Manhattan. And you, you know what that's like. I mean, cars honking, buses, trucks, people, all kinds of noise going on. And all of a sudden, the country guy stops. He said, wait a minute, I hear a cricket. And his cousin says, yeah, man, it's impossible. You cannot hear a cricket in downtown Manhattan. He says, I hear a cricket. And he finds this planter over here. It's got a tree coming out of it. And he goes through the mulch and he looks, and lo and behold, there's the cricket. He heard it. And his cousin said, how in the world did you hear that cricket in the midst of all this noise? Nobody else did. And he said, it's all in what you're accustomed to hearing. And he said, watch this. Manhattan Street now. New York, busy. Boy from the south, country folk, reaches in his pocket, pulls out a handful of chains. A couple of quarters, some nickels, dimes, pennies, whatever. Throws it on the street. Guess what? Everybody on that street, from one end to the corner to the other, stopped in their tracks. They heard the sound of money. That's what they were listening for. You want to bear fruit for God? You got to hear God's voice above all the distractions, whatever they might be. And then the third step is make a commitment to produce fruit for the kingdom of heaven. You just got to make a commitment. You can't walk out of here today and say, okay, that was a pretty good parable. Jesus told a pretty good story. You missed the implication. The implication is if you are soil that has received the seed and has grown to maturity, then you're supposed to be producing fruit. You need to make a commitment then to produce fruit for the kingdom of heaven. That's the influence you're supposed to have on our culture. Psalm 126.6 describes the farmer. says, He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves 
with him. When's the last time you wept over the spiritual condition of your home, your school, your place of work, your community, your neighborhood, the street where you live, the state where you live, the nation where you live, the world in which you live? There's a great picture in, in, in the New Testament where Jesus is absolutely, and, and Craig and I saw it this, this summer, we were there, where you overlook Jerusalem, and that's where Jesus was crying over the city of Jerusalem weeping, pouring out his heart because they were lost and they were rejecting him. When's the last time you poured out your heart in agony and tears over the spiritual condition of someone? You see, I think that's the only way that we're going to be led to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. You've got to be concerned about the spiritual welfare of other people. Now, what does God promise us? When we sow the seed, he just promises that we're faithful and we'll be rewarded for that. But the growth of that seed and the production of the fruit's up to him, right? Sometimes it's a hundredfold, sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's only 30. But that's up to God. We're not in the saving business, he's in the saving business. We're in the sowing business, sowing seeds for the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom initiative for us today is that we're to be about kingdom influence. And that means then that we're to be about bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. Worship out of our own life, the fruit of the Spirit developed in our own life, and then sowing the seeds of the gospel that will lead to multiplication of believers all for the glory of God. That's the implication when you leave here today. That's what you need to take with you. Father, we thank you for the teaching of Jesus, for these wonderful parables. Uh, we thank you how they are so intriguing right from everyday life and how we can make an easy application to our life. As we think about the, 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 the challenge for today, the implication about this kingdom truth, help us to, to be fruit bearers for, for your glory. And first of all, help us to be prepared uh, to be fruit bearers as we have that seed growing in our life and we're growing and seeking maturity and then that we are about your kingdom business of, of seeking to grow other mature believers all for your glory. Father, give us that desire to seek you, to hear you and to obey you in all that we do through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.